Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, fitness for real people, with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. On today's episode, Gabrielle interviews author, organization specialist, and certified health coach, Stacy Crew. Her book, Mind, Body, Kitchen, Transform You and Your Kitchen for a Healthier Lifestyle, addresses the components of organizing the kitchen, mindset, nutrition, and exercise. And now here's your host, personal trainer and stretch therapist, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People. I'm your host, Gabby Mazar. And on today's episode, I have Stacy Crew. She is a certified health coach and organizing expert. She has written the book, Mind Body Kitchen, Transform You and Your Kitchen for a Healthier Lifestyle. So welcome to the show today, Stacy. Thanks, Gabrielle. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You're a certified health coach and an organizing expert. What exactly does that mean? And how do those two things mesh together? Yeah, great question. So I um, st- actually started my career in uh, marketing and publishing. Um, but when I was probably about 14 years into my career, I had an opportunity to try something different. I was uh, married, had young children, but quickly realized that being at home and not having something uh, for myself, you know, I, I wanted to fill that uh, piece of me and that part of me. So I was going through a, a personal discovery at the time. Um, as I mentioned, I was married, had uh, two small children, and we had moved already, like upgraded our house. And, you know, I had the house, the, the two-car garage, all the things, right? And, and I was completely overwhelmed with clutter. Um, so I went through this transformation where I started uh, decluttering. And it made an incredible impact on me that I wanted to help other people. Mm-hmm. So I started an organizing business and I did that for quite a few years. And as soon as I started the business, I realized that my method and my philosophy, I wanted to to put it into a book. So I I wrote a book called The Organized Mom. Um, And after about a dozen or so years of helping people get their lives in order and their homes in order and all of that, I again had another kind of um, Thing happened in my life, another stage, and I was experiencing a lot of anxiety. I'd gotten my physical surroundings to a place where I could manage everything. Kids were a little bit older. I got divorced. Um, you know, still had um, things to, to manage, but um, I, I wanted to rid myself of the anxiety. And I started running. And when I started running, I realized that I needed to. Uh, improve what I was eating, right? To fuel, fuel my body and my mind. And a few years after I started that, um, I realized that I wanted to help people with that too. So I um, got a certification in health coaching and that was six years ago. Um, again, like it, it's just my way of organizing information. I started writing a book and that's the book that came out last year called Mind Body Kitchen. And what I did was I took, um, what I realized is it's, it's hard for people to get into the kitchen to create simple, healthy meals if the kitchen is cluttered and if our time, you know, our schedule is cluttered. So I'm putting the two pieces together to help people get their kitchens organized, simplify things so that they can create health, simple, healthy meals in an organized kitchen. So 
A lot of people struggle with diet and fitness and, and the whole idea of health. Uh, I think organizing helps to kind of get your mind in the right mindset to change those things, especially if you're taking things out of the kitchen that you know are either triggers for you or um, things that you can't stop, like chips, like a bag of chips, or, or just getting those things and your mind right. How do you support the up and downs of dieting and uh, help people to eat better and live healthier? Yeah, great question. So, you know, the reason that my, my book is titled Mind, Body, Kitchen is that it, a lot of it begins with mindset. You know, if we're, we're in the right mindset, we can begin to make these small changes that eventually add up to big results. Mm -hmm. um, much of improving our health and what we eat has to do with changing habits and behaviors. So right. like mentioning the chips and, you know, and what I recommend, I mean, just simple steps to recommend that I recommend to people are, you know, if you're, you have a salt craving, don't ignore that because that's your body telling you something, right. You know, that, that it's very simply craving salt. So it, it's really about finding healthier ways. So healthier upgrades. So, you know, if you're eating Lay's potato chips, for example, maybe find something that has fewer ingredients, um, that's a little bit healthy, but can still, uh, satisfy that craving. So I think, I don't believe in making these dramatic changes because, mm -hmm. you know, when we try to make dramatic changes, um, it becomes kind of this all or nothing thinking. Right. So if we don't do it perfectly, if we don't do it, right, you know, the first time, um, then, it, then we're a failure. So, you know, it's really strengthening our mindset and, and making these small incremental changes. Yeah, I've always been uh, a proponent for starting small. I think people, they try to jump in 110%, not realizing that that 110% is going to push them over the edge to quit, because mm -hmm. you're taking out everything you enjoy and then adding in let's say a fitness program that you don't necessarily love and then you're going all in and if you miss a day at the gym or if you have donuts or if you if you do have that one slip up you're right you get that all or nothing mindset it's like i screwed up forget it you know i have to start over or uh, you just don't start over at all when the idea behind it is that you're not starting over, you're just being consistent. So you can have chips, you can have chocolate, you can have donuts. You just can't have donuts every single day for every meal. You know, you can have one when you have a little craving or have half a donut. I think one of the things that I do is I keep like dark chocolate covered almonds or like a, an almond Hershey bar or something in the freezer. Mm -hmm. And then I just have a piece of it. I've mm -hmm. trained myself over many, many years not to eat the entire thing, <laughs> but it's a, it's a baby step. You know, when I have a craving for chocolate, I, I want chocolate. So mm -hmm. if I tell myself not to eat it when I want it, then I have all of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's definitely that mindset. So how does, how does organizing your kitchen lead to living a healthier lifestyle? Why is it so important to get that done first? 
Well, so if, if you're, you know, it, it's kind of like an event, you know, if, if and I use uh, a wedding as an example, because, you know, we've all been to a wedding, you know, maybe we've had our own wedding, right? It's an event. So mm -hmm. It requires um, a lot of planning, a lot of consideration. Um, and any well done event, any well executed event, there's been a lot of forethought, you know, you don't just show up and, you know, the right. party goes off like that. So it, it really is looking at your kitchen from a different perspective. So that's one of the things that I help people do. You know, a lot of, there's a lot of people have uh, appliances on the countertops, right. That take up valuable real estate. So it's assessing, okay, if, if I'm going to keep the kitchen aid, which, you know, is a beautiful piece of art, right. <laughs> really. I mean, it comes in different colors. It's like the liquor Different attachments. You can do it all different. I mean, you can even make ice cream with the KitchenAid. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're using the KitchenAid on a regular basis, then leave it out because not only does it look pretty, but you know, it's functional. It's, it's something that you're going to reach for. So you don't want to be pulling it out um, every other day. But there are other things too that just get really crowded. And granted, some people are the type of, they have, um, you know, if it's not out and they don't see it, they, they forget they have it. So it's really just helping people look at their kitchen a little bit differently, put things where they use them. Um, you know, so near the stove, you want the spices within reach. So in a cabinet, maybe you know, up over the stove, as opposed to across the kitchen in a pantry that you're walking, you know, back and forth, you're getting your steps in, but it's not an efficient use of, um, time when you're trying to cook a simple, healthy meal. Right. Yeah. So I start there because it, it that's what seems to be the biggest obstacle for people is, well, I don't, you know, I don't have time or, you know, I can't find things. Um, and again, like fridge and pantry organization, that's really key in the process as well, because, uh, you know, that's where you keep your food. So one thing that I do recommend to people, and this came up very recently, is in your refrigerator, when you open the door, you want the healthiest things at eye level, because that's what you're going to reach for. That's what your your brain is going to see right away. So if you can trick your brain a little bit into, okay, oh, I see greens, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> hopefully eventually those will become more desirable than, you know, whatever else it is that might be at eye level currently. So it's just a, it's, it's an important thing to consider. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I know plenty of families, busy families that have beautiful kitchens that don't use them. And it's a, a byproduct of time. You know, they're, they're just incredibly busy um, with sports after, after school and into the evening, you know, or just, I don't know, busy with other activities. I'm kind of past that stage, which, you know, so I, I'm, I'm trying to pull from the recesses of my mind here, but it leads to ordering out you know, mm -hmm. ordering takeout. So it's, it's again, just kind of shifting not only the kitchen, but in our schedule and all of that too. So speaking of kids, how do you get kids on board? How can you as a mom make those changes and be able to transfer them to your entire family or to your kids and, and maybe teach them uh, better ways or to eat different things. I know kids can be really, really picky mm -hmm. and it might be difficult sometimes. And especially if you're busy, the last thing you're going to do is cook two meals. <laughs> yeah. Shorter cooking, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, this I do remember very vividly um, because I didn't want to be the short order cook. And I, I was a short order cook for, for a number of years until I finally said, I'm just, you know, I, I mean, I didn't necessarily say it directly to my kids, but I was like, I can't be cooking, you know, mac and cheese, cheese over here. And I, you know, I don't know, hot dogs, which I, I don't really think I served much, but that's what came to mind. Yeah. So and and to when my girls i have two daughters and they're um, almost three years apart and when they were in their early teens within six months of one another they both became vegetarian so that through you know like oh my gosh and i'm in the middle of my own health journey and it's like <laughs> what am i gonna cook so we made it a family thing mm -hmm. and i think that you know even small children you can start to introduce them into preparing healthy foods and make it a family um, you know, a family activity really. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we have as, as moms, as parents, you know, we're influencers, right? <laughs> you know, we're, we buy the, the meals, we can include them in the meal planning. Um, and, you know, just have them try different things. And, and, you know, I, I know a lot of people talk about growing up in like the clean plate club or, you know, where parents, I don't think this happens as much today, but years ago, parents would, you know, say, if you don't finish your dinner, you know, you're going to have to sit here or we're going to save it for breakfast. Tomorrow. Oh, many times. <laughs> <laughs> I think today that might be considered, you know, not such great parenting, but, yeah. um, but I think we can influence um, family members, you know, by what we serve, by what we, you know, maybe having a backup through a transition, right? Because, you know, if a kid's really hungry, you know, you're not going to deny them, you know, a meal, but slowly introducing them to new things and, and making them part of the process. Yeah. One of the things my girlfriend who has a 10 and a 12 year old or 11 and 13 year old now uh, she sneaks veggies into every meal. So they don't necessarily know they're eating it, uh, but they are. So, you know, if she does like lasagna, that's it's got lots of veggies in it. If they're doing whatever meal it is, she makes sure that she adds those things to the meal. And then what it does is, although they might not know they're eating it, the taste, you know, they're eating it and they have a taste for it. So they develop or they have developed a liking to certain things because her older one <clears throat> was very, very, very picky. And she was like, nope, we're not doing this. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not making you different meals. You're going to eat what we as a family, this is how we're going to do it. So it seemed to uh, work well for her and not, not to say that that's for every single person, but yeah. yeah. And that's, that's brilliant. And, um, there is something to that, like uh, what you said about the taste. So processed food, which is anything that's packaged really, that has a nutritional label that gives you, you know, the details of what's in uh, the food. Mm -hmm. My simple recommendation for people is if you are going to choose like a jar of tomato sauce, for example, two things to look at. The ingredients, make sure it has five ingredients or less and also the sodium levels, because you're gonna see that the sodium levels in most of those jarred tomatoes uh, sauces, for example, are probably 600 milligrams plus. Mm -hmm. I think I've, I've found, I know I found um, one at Trader Joe's that has uh, like 350 grams, but that sodium, it not only 
it, it doesn't, it changes your taste buds, mm-hmm. you know, over time. So you're absolutely right. So introducing vegetables and things like that at first, people are going to say, oh, I don't really like the taste of it. And it's because they haven't been tasting real food. Right. Um, and yeah. you, and but, you're so used to the extra salt content, the extra sugar content in the foods that when you don't have that, it can taste bland. Not to say that, ha- you know, that putting salt in your food or cooking with salt is bad or even cooking sugar, probably not as much. You should probably stay away from that just because there is so much sugar in everything already. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, adding salt to foods, especially if you're cooking from scratch, is not a bad thing. It's just that especially when you're getting those packaged foods, the amount of it in there is astronomical. And then you have to add that with what you're eating for the rest of the day. You are way over your values for the day, which is what leads to, you know, the high cholesterol, heart disease. um, Inflammation. Inflammation absolutely is a huge one, which inflammation leads to cancers and illnesses, um, autoimmune diseases. So you, you have to think about the things that you're feeding yourself. You want to feed your kids and your family too. So you have to, you know, as much as you don't want to look at those things, you know, maybe spending an extra 10 cents on a can of tomato sauce isn't that big of a deal at the end of the day, you know? Right. Right. So doing things in a family as a family, Mm-hmm. is one of the ways to kind of bring exercise and fitness more into a family. It's it's a great motivator, but uh, exercise can be very intimidating. Um, what are some ways that you recommend and how does your book break the stigmas of fitness and, and exercise and help people to uh, be more active and encourage them to lead a healthier lifestyle? Mm-hmm. So... My approach to exercise is it, it doesn't because so I'm an introvert and the idea of a group class that that's a little bit like torture for me because <laughs> I just I would prefer to do something on my own. I, I'm not I'm coordinated at some things, oddly enough, but if I have to like if I were to do Zumba, it would be a mess. You know, <laughs> so I'm not even going to pretend to to go there. So at understanding that about myself helped me understand what it must be like for other people. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think it's wonderful. Those who love group classes. And if that's your thing and you, you are energized by that, go for it. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. But if, if you, I I think it's really important to understand too, that movement is movement. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a formal class. It doesn't have to be, you know, a regimented routine. And, and again, it kind of ties back to what we started the conversation with about how this all or nothing. Um, so I, I just suggest to people, you know, get a Fitbit or an Apple watch, you know, or even just something, you know, it doesn't even need to be that expensive, something that's going to track your steps. I think you can track steps on an iPhone um, and just put your sneakers on and go for a walk. Yeah. You know, start there. Just, you know, and when it comes to families, turn the TV off, you know, get outside, get the fresh air. It's just, I I think that's, that's the thing that's so important that, you know, we, we give our mind a break and we give our body some movement. Um, You know, and it's become increasingly important because technology is literally, you know, right in our hands. And it Um, forces us to, uh, to sit 
a lot of sitting on your computer, on your phone, watching TV, on an iPad, whatever you're doing, we're sitting so much and just 7,000 to 10,000 steps a day can increase your mortality rate by, it's like over 30%. And that's, I mean, that's a short walk. That's not anything extraordinary. I mean, that's a, a little bit of something that you can do every single day and build from there. Like we were saying, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be CrossFit. It doesn't have to be group classes. It doesn't even have to, you don't even have to buy a Peloton and go, you know, go hard for 45 minutes. Just start small and build from there. And I think we look at it so, uh, we look at it as, as it's so intimidating because we don't know what we're doing necessarily. Sometimes when you go to a fitness class, so you're afraid to go to the fitness class. But if you start just walking every single day and going for a walk, it builds from there. You yeah. may find, you know, hiking on the mountain a little bit more exciting or more fun. And then from there, you may find Pilates or you may go to yoga classes or then you might decide, yeah, maybe I will try a group fitness class. But if you are easing yourself into it and changing your habits daily, that is when you will find your consistency that helps you to live and lead a healthier lifestyle forever. Yeah. And I just thought of too, of how, when we're, when we're doing something that's unfamiliar, you know, when we're learning, sometimes it really is those two steps forward, one step back. Mm -hmm. you know? um, so when I started running years ago, um, I immediately, because I'm, I'm very goal oriented, so I immediately set a goal because, you know, it was simple at first. It was like, I'm just going to go. I went to the gym, actually. I, I So I was around people, so I'm not, you know, I'm entirely isolated. But um, <laughs> so I got on the treadmill and I said, you know, I'm just going to commit three times a week for 30 minutes. And you know, at first that looked pretty ugly. Like I was on the treadmill, I was walking, then I would try and run and then I would, you know, and, I mean, it was not pretty, but I did it. And then within about a couple of weeks, I was like, you know, I need to have a, a further goal. So I signed up for a 10K and it was about two and a half months after I started on the treadmill. I ran that 10K and what happens is, and it, not only to me, but other people, and I'm sure you know this too, you start to build momentum mm -hmm. and the momentum creates motivation. And I, from the time I started running, 13 months later, I finished a half marathon, like, and who would have thought it, right? You know, I'm, I mean, and it, that's how it, it really works. It's like, you, you just put in that consistent effort. Um, so maybe the, for some people it's, you know, they do really want to do a group class and that's something they want to get out of their comfort zone. Right. No one understand. Yeah. There's going to be uncomfortability, but taking it just literally a day at a time or, uh, you know, an exercise session at a time, you can really build on that. And then suddenly, you know, that, that fear or that uncomfortability is transformed into something, you know, you can feel really good and proud of. Yeah. So what other tools does your book provide to help people to organize their lives set their mindset and to lead healthier lifestyles. 
So I go through, the, it's broken down into the three parts, the mind-body kitchen. So we start with mindset. Um, I'm a big believer that, you know, we need to be kind and gentle with ourselves. Um, you know, that's not something I've always shown. So, you know, I haven't always shown myself self-compassion. Yeah, and, um, I think a lot of people do not. I think a lot of people are very self-sabotaging and very uh, self, not harming, but we like to we say things to ourselves we'd never say to somebody else. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I take people through a process on that and just, you know, looking at the ways that, you know, we talk to ourselves um, and reframing how we talk to ourselves. Um, so that's, that's a big part of the, the mind uh, process. Then body talks about nutrition, basics of nutrition. So I talked a little bit about, um, you know, reading nutrition labels or, um, you know, making a choice if you're going to eat something that's out of a package, five ingredients or less. Um, so very simple things because I'm not, you know, as much as I believe in science, I'm not a scientist by any means. I mean, I'm more of a creative. So, um, you know, I didn't do well in economics in college, you know, forced me to change my major to communications. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to get too technical with things because I couldn't understand it. And I thought if I can't understand this, like, how am I going to explain it to people? So yeah. I was like, let me just very simply lay this out. So um, there's information on nutrition, easy, easy nutrition choices, um, and then exercise. I, I do go through a process of helping people uncover what's going to work for them. Yeah you know, and talking about being an introvert versus an ex extrovert and all those things. And then I go into the kitchen, I introduce um, a method that I've used since probably 2005, uh, called the GOPAC method. Mm -hmm. And it's an acronym that stands for group objects, purge, assign, contain and keep it up. So it helps people to use that method to organize anything really from a junk drawer um, to, you know, an entire home, but specifically the kitchen in this case. Yeah. So where can people find your book? Uh, the book is available online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Indie Books. Okay. So, and you have the other one too, your first book that you wrote. So this is your second book and you can get both of those on the same. Yeah. The Organized Mom, I believe is still available on Amazon. Okay. Yep. Is there anything else you wanted to leave our listeners with today? Um, I, I did want to jump back to um, just quickly about the, the idea of deprivation, you know, or, or depriving ourselves, because mm -hmm. I think that's important to kind of balance things out. You know, when, when you're making lifestyle changes, um, it really is not an all or nothing game. And, and if, if you do find yourself, um, you know, saying, I can't have that, or I shouldn't have that, you know, try and reframe that a little bit because it's really all about moderation and and not depriving yourself you know nobody likes to be told what to do or um you know be told they can't have something so yeah. i think when we start doing that to ourselves it just creates uh the potential for sabotage but uh also just a reminder to just you know be gentle with yourself and and speak to yourself like you would you know a, a somebody you love um I have an example in the book um, about a, a, an instance where, where my daughter was six and she spilled milk all over the backseat of the car and how I got really upset with 
her. And I was like, I was horrified with myself the way I spoke with her. And it just, it started me on this path to think, oh my gosh, like, you know, I, I think I sometimes speak to myself like that. So we just need to be kinder and gentler. Absolutely. Point. Absolutely. I think it goes a very, very long way. It's, it's kind of like affirmations, you know, the more you tell yourself positive things about yourself, you will start to believe it when you believe it that's when the results will come. Because if you're constantly telling yourself, I am fat, I am ugly, I am stupid, I am never gonna exercise, I am never gonna be anything, you are. You are telling yourself that that is what you are. So the moment you say, I am beautiful, I am successful, I am healthy, mm -hmm. I am eating better, I am, you are those things, you become those things because you are putting it out there. And it's basically, I mean, you may not be able to be in the woo-woo, but putting it in the universe, but you're basically telling yourself to do those things. Yes. That's, yes. that's really at the end of the day, what it is. I'm beautiful every day. And at some point you really will start to believe that because you are, you know? So I definitely, I love that. I love the idea of your book. I think it's great because all of those things do work together and you have to work on every one of them. You can't just work on the one piece. You can't just exercise and think you're going to lose weight. You can't just diet and think that, you know, once you lose weight, you're going to be happy. And you have to really work on all of those things to, to really live that lifestyle and believe it as well. So yeah, and sustain it. I think that's, right. that's the thing. It, it really comes down to creating, like I said, those small shifts that over time give you the big results. It's habit change, behavior change. And, you know, change isn't easy. And that's why we need to be nice to ourselves. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, your book is Mind Body Kitchen Transform You and Your Kitchen for a Healthier Lifestyle. I will post the links uh, for that in the show notes so that people can go look at your book and find out more. But Stacy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Gabrielle. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you everyone for listening and we will see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. If you would like more information on today's episode, you can find it in the show notes and on Gabrielle's website at www.destinationfitcations.com. Visit to keep an eye out for upcoming fitcations. Be sure to share the show, give this podcast a review and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Join us next week to hear more stories from people just like you. This has been the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People with Gabrielle Mazar.